Hello and welcome back to another episode of Box to Box. I'm Alex Perry, joined by Akshay Budwani, Jeff Azahauser, and Jesse Levine. Gentlemen, how are we doing this weekend? This Sunday. Sunday, yeah. It is still the weekend. It is still I, the weekend. Yeah, yeah, you were not wrong. I'm still riding the high of uh, a beautiful offside goal from yesterday, but we'll get into that later. All right, so let's start off with Pretty big results at the bottom of the table uh, in the relegation battle. Norwich coming out of nowhere to beat Watford 3-0. Josh Sargent, uh, American, on a potentially Puskas winning goal in January. Uh, not the only goal he bagged that game. He was on a hat trick at the end. Didn't didn't quite get there, but uh, Brace is a, is a solid way to open your Premier League account. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's been there for, what, half a season now? So uh, I, I would have hoped for a bit more from him by this point. But still. I mean, I, I think sometimes you look at games like this and it's the right players in the right position that sometimes need to step up. Expect, you know, it's a bounce here. It's a bounce there. Um, seemed to happen in this game because you it's – you look at the bottom of the league games and they always tend to be very scrappy. And I don't think this game was an exception. So, and that's not about who wants it more. Sometimes just a bounce here, a bounce there. And one team turned up to win pretty comfortably. Indeed. Another team uh, with a crucial victory in the relegation battle, Newcastle with a win over Leeds, uh, you know, still, still in that relegation zone, but can they build off of this? What do we think? Nah. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that. Like, I, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not impressed. I like, congrats, you beat Leeds. Uh, the thing that they have going for them is that their next game, which is in two weeks because we have an FA Cup break, is Everton. Who, man, if Everton lose, like, if Newcastle win, you know, not, not split points, Everton suddenly get dragged down into that conversation. They do absolutely. I mean, right now they're currently, you know, only four points ahead of. Uh, Head of Newcastle. They've played a game in hand, but still it could get it could get ugly and very concerning for Everton, uh, who lost this weekend to a certain Steven Gerrard managed side. Um, good performance from Aston Villa, I thought. Still making more progress under Gerrard, looking good under uh looking good going forward, very organized at the back. I'm impressed. I, I thought this was Emmy Bu- I know he scored, so maybe it's a little biased, but I thought this was Emmy Buendia's one of his best games. I mean, keep in mind this guy came from Norwich last year, um, from the from the championship coming up to the Prem and thought he was very um threatening. And keep in mind this was a guy that was scouted after 30 million pounds, um, scouted after by Arsenal, by some other teams. The relationship I think between his uh agent and Emmy Martinez, who they both share the same agent, a lot easier to make the transfer to Aston Villa, got off to an incredibly slow start, and he's starting to find his way. few assists recently, a goal um, during the weekend for the brace. Um, looked impressive. I thought he was one of the best players on the pitch and starting to find his groove. Yes, and a big winning goal for him. Uh, Aston Villa continuing that push for a top 10 spot. But in the race for the top four, we had a big one, didn't we? Uh, we had a couple of six-pointers. We, we had a couple of big ones. Yeah, but we'll start off with United and West Ham. Akshay, why don't you get the first word on this? Rashford, stoppage time winner. Yeah, um, <clears throat> that, definitely a, a, a very good match from the start. I think um, it, it's what you would expect from two teams that are in the position that these two clubs are in. Um, it's not the match that I think I expected knowing the actual playing style and performance level of the two teams this season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a match that you ordinarily by the numbers would have expected from two teams in that, in those respective positions in the table. And I think we got a, we got an entertaining match that had a deserving ending. Um, but I, you know, I'm still not convinced about United's, you know, recent form. So winning two in a row after the the long stretch of, of crap that we had is, is encouraging, but as a United fan, you know, I've learned not to get too optimistic too you quickly. Mean, you, you, you don't want another false positive. Uh, yeah, let's let's call it that. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Jesse. I was just saying, I mean, I, th- I think at the end of the day, I know, I mean, look, first of all, if, if that goal's tapped in by Arsenal, I think everyone knows that VAR is calling it offsides, but uh, we'll get to that in a minute. 
but you know, regardless, I thought it, I thought it was the right result. Uh, trip man, you triples and shots, eighteen to six. Um, West Ham one shot on goal the entire game. I do think they forced a, if I'm not mistaken, a very good save out of De Gea. Is that correct? They did. They forced they forced a couple of good saves out of De Gea. I mean, who did? I mean, as usual, you know, yeah. keeping keeping them and standing on his um, standing on his head there. But I mean, in every, basically every stat you look throughout the game, fifty-seven percent in possession, more passes, more pass accuracy, um, and uh, more so in the second half. But past the eye test, you looked like they were trying to play the kind of football that Ralph wants them to be playing in the second half. And a lot of credit has to go to uh, the the kid Anthony Alanga, who's pressing out of his mind and kind of. Like when you see a 17 year old who's or 18, however old he is, who's brand new to the squad and, you know, playing alongside a bunch of incredible players and he's working his ass off. Everyone else around him is working their ass off, too. Like there's there's just something about kind of watching a kid like that drive everyone else to also work harder. You have 17 year old setting setting the example. Big thumbs Listen, I mean, it's it's not always a bad thing. Like you don't. It's not that he's, you know, the verbal leader, but when you see him running around, when you see, you know, replacing Rashford and Greenwood, who frankly weren't running around, it's not like they're a ton older, right? It's, it's just one of those things where sometimes you need to, sometimes you just switch up who's playing and and who's on the bench and, and let the people who are going to put in the full effort play. It's why Fred is, is rarely to get dropped, even when he plays terribly. Misplayed a bunch of balls. Rashford? I mean, we know we popped up with the winner, but it hasn't been the easiest of, of months for him. I know he was he was obviously out for the first couple of weeks of the season, but hasn't really gotten going at all. You you have to hope that um, that the combination of the the late time uh, add on goal against Brentford uh, and then the the winner here kind of kickstarts him back into goal scoring form because. You know, there, there's every chance that that a, a, a run like that, where where you get you know a few minutes at the end of one game and a few minutes at the end of the next game, and and you bag two goals, can really kick a player into great form. Like it's it is sometimes that easy when when you haven't been scoring, you get a couple of easy ones, and suddenly you start scoring like you know like we know he can do. Yeah, I, and I also think that you know you make a good point there, Jeff. But you also got to look at some outside factors when you look at someone like Rashford. Has had a lot of good seasons, has really been, you know, I think you could say one of the main guys at Man U for the past few years. And all of a sudden during the summer, they bring in a striker where he has played up top plenty and a winger. And that's two positions where Rashford could play. Um, really the only two position he plays, positions he plays. And you have someone like Greenwood, who is a really promising talent playing, um, you know, he, you know, I think he's a little bit inconsistent at times, but he is really, I think, one of the top 10, 15 young players in the world. So you bring in two guys, one that's Cristiano Ronaldo and another guy for $100 million. And I think it's pretty easy to potentially lose confidence, especially with less time, less touches on the ball, less you know minutes. So I think some of it is to no fault of his own as well, that he's in a tough situation and probably hasn't done the best with it. Um, I don't think we can give him too much credit. In all fairness, it was a tapping goal. But... Maybe this is something that gets the momentum going. It's also interesting, you know, Bruno has struggled as well throughout large chunks of the season. So, so you wonder, you know, I, I think that sort of is worth considering as well, just given that, again, you had a system that was working pretty well for United in terms of what they could offer going forward last season. And then United go out and spend a bunch of money on all these, you know, additional parts. And it's just not really clear how, like, how they fit there. I mean, United... For me, you know, when they signed Ronaldo, and I get they didn't want him to go to Man City, but that 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 that's the reason they signed him, so that he wouldn't go to a rival, not because of what. He okay, that's that's part that's of the there. reason they signed him. That's part of the reason they signed him. The other is the 660 million followers across all social platforms. Um, uh, you you better believe that that is a lot more than Manchester United. That's a lot more than that's a lot more than any team, basically any player. Like the money they're making off that is. A no small factor in why they said we don't want him going across well, town. Like, well, well, right, but th- in terms of what he's going to offer in the pitch, I'm not. I mean, he's Ronaldo. He has, he has a lot to offer. But like again, they're, you know, it, when you're trying to find out who is going to win games for you, who who fits into the team, you don't look at his following on social media. You look at no, you know, his no, style but if you, of play, if you how all that works with the players currently at the team, how all that works with. Yeah, Alex, I think you're picking. 
you're picking a bad bad phrase there because if you're asking about players that'll win you games, I think Ronaldo's done that uh, a couple of times this year, like at least a couple. No, he has, but in but over the course of a season, right? In, in terms of again, we're, we're talking about how he fits into this team, and I, and I think there are legitimate criticisms about the fact that he doesn't press, right? And you know, look, he's he's been a fantastic signing, but when, when, in terms of the the criteria that United were looking at. You don't look at his social media following. You don't look at, you know. Yeah, you do. Uh, first of all, whether or not you should is irrelevant. Absolutely, that, United that's what I'm did. To say. You shouldn't do that. Yeah, that's. I mean, you probably shouldn't do that. But United, the business is probably the reason that they have been able to finish, you know, sixth, seventh for for years in the in the mid uh, and late 2010s, and still sign hundred million dollar players is because they're Manchester United and they have the, the financial power to do that. And part of the reason they have it is that they care about the optics of signings uh, from a marketing perspective. And like, it, it sucks because it's not what you want as, as a football fan, but it does help the club in the long term that they continue to emphasize being richer than everyone else and doing it without you know, Saudi investment. Right. I mean, but the thing is, like, look at Barcelona. I think Barcelona signed a lot of big name players for a lot of money, part just for the optics. And how's that worked out for them? I, I'm pretty sure United signed Ronaldo for 15 million and uh, Barca, right, were playing, Barca were paying Messi like 100 million a year. I, those are those are different levels of stupid. No, no, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's not like, but Barcelona have been way worse. But the, the, but the point is that, you know, Barcelona haven't been Signing smart. Like big name players for a lot of money isn't necessarily a good strategy. And it, yeah. I think disrupts the balance in your team. And that's what we're seeing with players like Bruno, who is sort of finding his form in recent weeks. And, and, but particularly with Rashford as well. Of course, I, I you know, I, I want to switch the conversation away from Man U. Actually, I want to mention one thing. I actually thought that Harry Maguire, it was one of Harry Maguire's best games of the season. I thought he was, he was, he luck. was fine. The amount of times, this sorry, this is a nitpicky thing, and it's the reason I hate Maguire. But and I'll let you get to to why you thought he played well. But every time he like he's you standing just there, him in our starting line. No one's within ten yards of him at all, and all the right. and the ball's coming to him, and he'll head it. He'll pick out a player on the other team and say, "I'm giving you a header." He'll like take it down easy. I'm finding the most open guy on the other team, and I'm heading the ball to him. He he believes in setting the record for longest average header distance instead of <laughs> having the ball instead of possessing the ball. Like, sure. does he not possess the skill to chest the ball down? Maybe, maybe not. But I do think that from a defensive side, um, it seems like he won the majority of, you know, aerial, the aerial battle. He did have a few very nice challenges in the first 15 minutes of the game, one on Bowen, one on um, Antonio. But I think speaking of Bowen, I think that was the standout player in the game, even with the lost, uh, even with West Ham losing. I mean, this guy is such a talent. And I'm just looking at the last few games of West Ham. This guy seems to score every single game. And I, I think it, you know, at very soon he's going to be mentioned as one of the top, um, you know, one of the top young players, you know, up there with Saka and Foden and Greenwood. I mean, I, I do think this- we should, I do think we should get to West Ham a bit as well. Um, Akshay, I know you said last uh, on the pod last week, that you had them finishing fourth. This is a pretty big blow um, to their hopes, I think, because it moves United in front of them. United have a game in hand. Um, Arsenal within a point of West Ham, but two games in hand. Tottenham within a point of West Ham, but three, three games in hand. I think, you know, by the time those teams, the Arsenal's, the Tottenham's, and even United's have have completed all, all of the um, sort of extra games, right? Um, I, I think that we're looking at a possibility where West Ham could just it, it could be over for them. Their top four hopes now. Um, I I wouldn't put it as bleakly as you just did. I you know I you know it's definitely a blow. Um, but I would say that West Ham still very much controls their own fate. I think you know I would uh, I would I would still rate them against most of those teams that you just named. Um, you know the only opponents at this point still that I would really put West Ham up against and say that they don't have much of a chance to win. Uh, would be Manchester City and Liverpool. I think other than that, all of the other traditionally big clubs in Europe, they've been, uh, or in, in the Premier League rather, uh, they've been pretty good against. And, you know, I'd still rate them against teams like uh, Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal. I'd rate them, uh, West Ham, to have an equally a chance of beating them. So I think West Ham can still, you know, I can. St- I think they can still achieve that. 
uh, or at least uh, achieve Europa League. Um, and yeah, I think top four is still doable. I wouldn't, I wouldn't lose hope just based off of this one result because, you know, I think it was more of a fluke uh, in terms of as unlike what we've seen most of the time with West Ham, their offense really didn't get going uh, for a lot of that match. And, you know, usually you would see more potent offense from them. So I think it's, it's more of a, a blip than a, a cause for alarm. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I, I do think, you know, they, they would be fancying the chances against a Tottenham or an Arsenal uh, or even a Chelsea. But the question is, the question is, against Kidminster in the FA Cup, who are in the sixth year, do West Ham have any shot at progressing? I mean, that, that, that's I the real no question hope. we have to ask ourselves. I think that, you know, that's a whole nother level. I mean, you got your cities and your Liverpools, but Kidminster is just, they're on another planet right now. They're kind of like the most Salah of clubs in Europe, I would say. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd, uh, I'd say West Ham got no shot on that one. But no, You call them the most Salah of clubs. You know what I call them, Akshay? The sheriff of the FA Cup. Okay. The sheriff of the FA Cup. That is an apt, equally apt analogy. I think we're uh, both on the same page here as to uh, where that fixture stands. I think some of these games, by the way, in the FA Cup for these teams that are the absolute no names are actually pretty interesting. I end up going to uh, a game a game at Stanford Bridge. It was Chelsea versus Sheffield Wednesday. And I've never seen an opposing group of fans so into a game as to Sheffield Wednesday fans. The disrespect to Sheffield Wednesday, like they're not like a fully professional team and like are, three they, tiers above. They, <laughs> are, they, they, they are, but I mean, how often does the Sheffield when is Sheffield Wednesday highlighted? Okay. So I'm very curious to actually see what, what the traveling fans are going to be like, but I do think it's almost impossible to mention West Ham with obviously without mentioning Declan Rice. And is it fair to say that this season, for obviously the West Ham season last year kind of felt there was a little choking of not being able to finish as strongly as they would have liked, but how important is it for them to get top four this season with the idea of Declan Rice potentially not being there if they don't finish strongly this season? I mean, I think Declan Rice is going to be on his way out sooner or later either way. But do you think that he stays one more year if they, if they're playing champions league football next year? Yes. Yeah, uh, well, probably. But I will say that the the transfer fee that West Ham will be able to get for him and more importantly, the pay raise that he'd be able to get would probably be enough, whether it's, um, you know, whoever's looking to add in the midfield. But the, the thing that comes to mind first is obviously United, who could address that issue very clearly, could spend a ton of money like, yes, playing in the Champions League would be better, but uh, an extra one hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week is not unrealistic for the difference between his West End pay and his United pay. I mean, that's the other thing we have to consider. I, I think United is really the only team that could really use him right now. I mean, City are pretty comfortable with Rodri. Chelsea have, you know, the Contes, the Jorginhos of the world. Kovacic can fill in there as well. Um, I think I, mean, I would be surprised if... Set, but I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised think... if City add... Just, just for the sake of City just adding depth. Yeah, but I, I think... He, yeah, you... you you, you might see what he might consider is like, look what's happening with Grealish, where Grealish is yeah. not there, just you know, just for the sake of going. So he got him right when they're already like yeah. stacked in that position, to right? With, and he's not really lived up to the expectations, yeah. right? I, I think that's just that, that's sort of a you know something. For yeah, but Rice the money, the money, and playing under Pep are two very, and also being a champion. Those are three very big selling points. But I think he also slots in kind of well at either of the North London clubs. Uh, uh, like next to Partey would be a del- like never play Shaka again, ever. It's it, you know at least one less red card a so season. An exciting prospect for Arsenal fans, Jesse. Yeah, I, I mean more, more, more so Jaka never playing again than, than no. Yeah, the, but well, look, I I just watched Sambi Lakanga play today and he looked scared of playing in the midfield alone. Um, and I think we're gonna go when we get into the Arsenal Burnley game. I very much want to get into the lot of well, let's passing. get into it. Yeah, let's, let's get right into that because yeah, the rest, yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll start us off with it. And I think that the big key for Arsenal and the questions asked is, where are the goals coming from? This is three straight games, and granted, two of them were versus Liverpool, but this is three straight games with not only no goals, but I didn't feel that in any of the games, Arsenal were consistently ticking on scoring. They had a few very good chances today, but I look and I go, I look at the tactics. Saka's playing too far out on the right to be consistently a goal threat and more he's being a creator at times. So a lot of times he's too far out on the right, having to cross the ball in. Lacazette's a 5'9 striker. 
He's he's not a he's not an aerial threat. He's a guy that plays a false nine and holds the ball up. Odegaard's the creativity player. Smith you know, Rowe. I mean Smith Rowe's but but he's Smith, on eight goals. Look, Smith, I, I do but if you look at Smith's roles, goals versus goal expect expectancy is a massive difference. I think he's averaging about four goals from an expectancy standpoint, which just means he's been great. He's had great finishing this season. If you've watched some of his goals, right place, right time over the course for 38 games. Yeah. And that's, that's not sticky for most people. Like it's, it's one thing if you're like famous for squeezing goals out of positions where you shouldn't be getting goals. Like I think, I think no one's surprised when Greenwood's near post shot, like he finished well above his expectancy because like that was just lethal finishing or like Robin Van Persie was famously always producing above his expectancy. Near post volleys. Oh my Oh my god. And like when you have players like that who consistently do it, it's one thing. But for Smith Rowe to be so young, you have to err on the side of luck's gonna even out. So he might go into some downswings. And it's not that he's still not creating opportunities, but sometimes you know they're not gonna hit. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I look at as well the idea of playing what I thought they played more of a four-one-four-one style today, and less of um, you know, the, the four, two, three, one, because Odegaard and Smith Rowe kind of played above Lakanga, who legit looked scared without a partner there as a holding player. I thought he was probably the worst player in the pitch for Arsenal today. But to be fair, I'd be scared as well, but that's because I'm not a Premier League caliber player. Yeah, well, well look, and, and I think the idea is that you have five strong attacking players, but I go back to, they did the exact same thing versus Benfica. Um, sorry, not Benfica. Um, who did they lose to in the um, Europa League last year? Um, and was that in the final? No, and, no, no it's final. Emery's, Emery's team. Yeah. Villarreal. Uh, Villarreal. No, Villarreal. Villarreal. They did the exact Villarreal. same thing yeah. where they where they went with a strong attack and they went with Smith, Rowe, and Odegaard. And I like the creativity in the midfield with both of them, but I still look at the top, the front, and I go, Martinelli's great and he's a raw, pure talent, but his finishing is just okay. His shot is just okay. But he's a creator from the left side, and I love it. And I love the overlap with Tierney. Lacazette's a holder. He's not a key, and he is certainly not a goal scorer, at least this season. Um, Lacazette's more of a false nine than a true nine. Right? And I just said, yeah, exactly. Odegaard's a creator. Yeah. And, and, and granted, he has four goals. Smith Rowe's goals expectancy is way above average. And if we're going to play Saka so far out on the right side, he. You know, there's only so many goals he could score. So where are the goals coming well, from? Well, I mean, Dusan Vlahovic has been uh, like, well, I, you, you know what happened the other day? This is crazy. He was like waving like towards the fans, but it was in the direction of London. So a lot of people are saying. I saw that. that, that, that what a, joke. a lot of people that, are saying that he was actually waving towards the Arsenal fans all the way from Florence. I mean, absolutely, these are absolutely, just fans you have to pay attention to. Look, there's so many complications in that deal. I hear that he's like reluctant to go and leave Florentina, but Florentina is accepted. There's also Juventus who are very interested in him. And I, and I from what there, I've heard, I yeah, think I hear, Juventus is his main goal. But I hear there's potential a penalty if he doesn't go to Juventus. There, this deal for a January transfer window is way too much. But let's go kind of back to, you know, the game versus Arsenal today. Uh, the, the Arsenal game today. So one is they're a completely separate team without playing the 4-2-3-1. You, you need a second holder there. And I think you, there's, a, there's a lot of blame to go around for drawing to the 20th you know and last place Burnley right now but I think one of the big blames is Thomas Partey who obviously was not one of the 11 members mentioned on the pitch here's a guy that is by far your strongest midfielder comes back from Afrikan we put a lot of trust in him as we get rid of mate you know we put on loan Maitland Niles Jaka's on a red card but whatever um Sammy Lakanga has to basically play alone. And Elneny is also out in Africa with Egypt. Where so Thomas Partey decides to get a red card in 16 minutes in a meaningless. He, he decided he decided he got on the pitch too early. After coming yeah. back from AFCON, he yeah. thought he could play. And then after, you know, 15 minutes, he's like, yeah, maybe not. So I think that while Arteta was getting a lot of praise, and I I think that soccer fans are a little bit too bipolar. They get too high up and they get too, they yeah. get, they want to keep the manager and all of a sudden they want to suck the manager. And it happened with when the Arteta Premier League is very the, reactionary. Yeah, exactly. They happened with Arteta won the FA Cup. Oh my God, this guy's the next pep. Then we have a terrible season and we need to get rid of him. This guy's clueless. And then we win the last five games of the Premier League season. And it's, oh, look, Arteta may be building something. Let's keep him. 
And then we lose our first three games and it's like sack Arteta. And then we start doing well and it's Arteta's doing great. So you know, I go back to baseball and you, you look at baseball and there's slumps and, you know, and there's hot streaks. And I think it's the same way here where I don't know if Arteta's a great manager. I don't know if he's a bad manager, but there's slumps and there's hot streaks. And right now they're, they're, they're lacking goals. Um, a bit of a slump though. A bit of, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever do it. We were playing Liverpool. Over I, I would say it's, it's a bit, it's a bit of a slump, but, I like again, I just look and I go, where are the goals coming from? And where are the midfielders to hold and push the ball forward? Because it felt like it was the same attack the entire game. There's creative players on the field, but there's no creativity in the game plan and formation. And that's where um, you know, Burnley Burnley were able to succeed. And it's funny because we spoke last week about how Burnley need to go back to their roots of being a strong defensive team without scoring. And that's how they were able to stay up in the prem, and that's exactly what they did this game. You know, I I want to pivot a bit um, because you want to uh, talk about you want to talk about uh, how Crystal Palace outplayed Liverpool today. No, no, we'll we'll get to that. I actually want to go to the the Chelsea game, two 0 against Tottenham, and you would think the or you know Arsenal's draw is is a big deal, and I, I guess it is. They didn't miss chance to um to to gain some points, but they did gain a point against Tottenham, who were played off the pitch today at Stamford Bridge. It was it was all down the wings too. I don't know if anyone else caught too much of this game, but uh, Zayek and Hudson Odoi were absolutely menaces. It was like it, it was really just Tottenham couldn't handle it. The the fullbacks were just unequipped to handle players of that caliber, and it's it's just a problem when when you're. I mean, Conte with his defensive solidity can't do anything about fullbacks that are just getting rinsed constantly. Like it doesn't matter how good you drill a team if uh, if if your full are basically not playing, they're just hanging out, you know, with the mobility of Harry Maguire, it's unfortunate for your team. Exactly. I mean, to be fair, I, I think this is more about Chelsea than it is, than it is about Spurs um, back on track after a very good performance. The title race is obviously clearly back on. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for, for Tottenham again, you know, you talk about like controlling their destiny. Spurs, still control much of their destiny here. And I don't think losing to a Chelsea side that, you know, are still the European champions and are still a very, very good team, even despite, you know, a, a pretty poor run over the past few weeks. I, I don't think it's that much to worry about for them. Um, you know, it doesn't really take away from how much they've improved since Conte's appointment. And look, I mean, believe it or not, they have four games in hand over Chelsea. If they win those, they can still go above them. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But I'm just saying that's a position that Tottenham are in where, you know, I don't, this isn't too damaging, I think, to their top four hopes. For me, still still the favorite. But want to get yeah. – uh, what do you guys think? I would, I, I would agree with that mostly. I was going to say, Alex, I'm surprised you weren't saying something like, oh, Antonio Conte could have saved that shot from Hakim Ziyech. Um, well, by the but, way, an absolute postage stamp of a shot. Like, we're not oh, – I don't yeah. think we need to, that's, like, that's rush past it. That's a for the Puskas Award as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Excellent finish. When when a goal is so pinged into the top corner that you think it's going to hit the post and then it's in, that's uh, I think that's pretty uh, that's pretty it's self-explanatory about that goal. But um, yeah, I, I would agree with what you're saying, Alex. I think Spurs. You know, it's again, it's it's not much like the West Ham result. It's not an alarm bells rigging scenario. Um, I think you know it's just tough game. Chelsea, you know, for all the the much stumbling that they've done in the past couple months. They're still a good, good team. And, you know, probably after City and Liverpool, they're still the best team in the Prem right now. So, you know, nothing to be ashamed of. They just got outplayed, I think, on the pitch. And, you know, Chelsea were uh, looking like the Chelsea that they were at the start of the season when they seemed like they could challenge City for the title. So, you know, not not a result to panic by by any means. Mm -hmm. I, I want to kind of want to piggyback off that. In terms of speaking, you know, speaking of people that are, you know, looking like who they were, um, I think this is what Chelsea were expecting when they signed Hakim Ziyech. And he also came in, I think, in a very tough scenario where if you look at the type of formation that Tuchel plays, you have three strong attack players as the 3-4-2-1. You have Mount, Pulisic, Ziyech, um, Werner, now Lukaku as well. Hudson at, you know, Kai Havertz. More, Hudson I think, Doyle. more in that wing back position. Like Hudson Adoy is fair, more in that yeah, wing back, but has also yeah. played in that that two in that two there as like the two the two behind the center forward. Yeah, yeah. I guess you say you know wingers holding tens, whatever you want to call you know the, you know tens on each side. 
Um, but he's starting to get consistent starts. And as we're seeing, these are the finishes that he was pulling off before he came to Chelsea. And it started a few weeks ago. He put it, I forget who he passed it to, but it was an unbelievable um, through ball um, in the air a few weeks ago, just absolute class. And it's very nice to see someone like him, who's not only a creative player, but I think, you know, from a skill standpoint, can easily be the most talented of those guys that play in the two there to start getting starts. And we're starting to see that, you know, the world he finishes. Um, but I also want to touch on, in a game like this, if Chelsea doesn't win this game, how much more are we talking about Lukaku? And, 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 and how... By the way, like, first minute, absolutely should have had a goal. Just from the jump, a, like a terrible finish. So, you know, here's a guy that I kind of look at and go, he's in a weird situation with Chelsea because I don't fit, think the play style fits what, you know, his strength. But you also have to adapt. And is his job to hold the ball? Is his job to finish? Is his job to be an aerial threat? I don't, I, there's no clear definition of what his role is as the striker on the team. Obviously, it's the finish at the end of the day. But at times, I see him trying to box out guys to hold the ball out, to hold the ball. Sometimes he's trying to, you know, he, he doesn't really look like he fits in, does he? And it was the same it, thing he, he had his team to bail him out. But, will he be I mean, in his fourth is... club in four seasons? Like, is, is he, is he on the move this summer? I just, yeah, I he could easily be. He could easily be. And this is, this is what I was talking about last week, where I believe I mentioned, I just, I don't, I don't understand what Chelsea's plan for him was after watching the way they played him for the first couple of times after he was signed. It just, like, it, it made sense as his, it, he's being the replacement for Timo Werner and the type of role that Chelsea was trying to have him play, right? Okay, fine. You're going to have him chase lots of balls in behind. He can do that. He's not the paciest of strikers, but he's got enough physicality to be defenders on the run. Okay, you want him to be an aerial threat. You want him to be frequently attacking balls that are brought into the box. Timo Werner was a big failure at doing that. So yeah, okay, I understand if you want Romelu Lukaku to take over those roles. But they, he hasn't consistently played those roles, Jesse. Like you said, Chelsea have sometimes expected him to be the false nine striker almost, where he comes up and is holding balls for the wingers. Sometimes they expect him to, you know, receive the ball on the edge of the box and then distribute it to the wings from there. It, it, it really is confusing to me. And I, I really, I, I, you know, I keep, I probably keep seeming like I'm defending Romelu Lukaku, you know, rapidly, but it just really seems like a lot of the blame falls on Chelsea here. And I don't know whether it's Tuchel or whether it's, you know, the instructions that are being given to other players as they relate to Lukaku, but it just doesn't really seem like Chelsea knows what they want to do with him at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's pivot. Speaking of you know big hundred million uh, pound signings that aren't quite fitting in, Southampton against Man City. Man City drawing. Guys, Tatteris is back on. Liverpool are back in it, aren't they? Absolutely, man. Not. I I mean, yeah. Akshay Akshay brought up uh, early in that game because it was a very early Southampton goal. And even when Southampton scored that early goal, was anyone really worried that that City were going to lose? Maybe that they weren't going to get all not three points, slightly. but no one no one thought they were going to lose. No. And Man, I, if I had if I had gone out, if no, I had gone say, out on our eliminator out. challenge on my Man City pick when all three of you chose Arsenal, who by the way also didn't play well, what a weekend that would have been. That would have been spectacular. I'd, I'd have had some egg on my face, but uh, yeah. at the end of the I day, mean, it's, like it's, <laughs> this yeah. this happens with City where sometimes like all the creativity just doesn't work out. Like a, a team puts together an inspired performance, and as great as Pep is going to be about tactics and motivation and getting Pep's going to get an eight out of 10 from his team every single week. But sometimes like, like he's never going to unlock the 10 out of 10 pure passion performances that, you know, the, the great managers of, of Duncan Edwards or, uh, or Lampard or Gerard or, or, or Ole or whoever you like those former players, those guys that those guys that'll, that'll get you to play like an absolute hothead and run through a brick wall. Pep's never going to get that. And occasionally he's going to run into teams that get that. And Southampton played like 11 men with a just on a mission. And, and they got an early goal that helped them out. And they, they were resilient defending. Obviously, they gave up some chances. But like just, just a great effort performance, which is what you want to see. Exactly. Yeah. Um, um, and but I, in I'll, terms of I'll the – oh, go ahead, Akshay. Yeah. I, I just going to say I was going to piggyback off of that where you're talking about, you know, Pep can consistently get an 8 out of 10 out of his team. I think, you know – that kind of ties into what I would think about, you know, the difference between City and other Premier League teams over the past couple of seasons uh, is just, you know, they can play like absolute mud like they did for most of the time against Southampton and they can still save points. Um, and that's been the difference between them for and, and, you know, the rest of the teams in the Premier League for several years now is they can 
grab those results where you don't, you know, like you, like we all agreed, there we never at any point feared that City was going to lose this game, right? Even when Southampton was up one nil for most of the first half, we never thought, okay, City looks like they might drop, you know, all three points here because nobody expects City to do that because that's how good they've been and that's how consistently, you know, consistently good they've been. Yeah, but I mean, I think you know we look at the possibility where they draw another game, Liverpool gain more ground, then Liverpool go to the Etihad win, and we're talking about you know one or two points separating them, and then. Who knows? I mean, soon before we know it, Liverpool's top of the table. Alex, Alex, it's puff, puff, pass, not puff, 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 puff. It's not happening, bud. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, I mean, I, did you guys watch enough of this game to, like, you know, analyze the play, some of the players? Because I thought that um, their, um, Southampton's defender, Mohamed, I want to say I'm pronouncing his right, Salisu, Mohamed Salisu. I thought he was... He, He's going to he's going to be sold either this summer or next summer, but someone's going to come get him. He looked delicious. He looked brilliant. I mean, blocks. I thought he won almost every aerial and every 50 50 battle. I. I, I, And I also I I don't a guy that just doesn't get enough credit for just sticking with the Southampton team, being a leader, being a captain. James Ward Prowse. I mean, I know that this guy's a, you know, a free kick um set piece specialist but kind of felt that anytime that Southampton did have the ball that they were kind of kept them ticking kept them moving and actually felt that they were somewhat in attack and just a guy that just doesn't get enough credit consistently for not only being loyal to a team when I do think he could go to other places and be a fit Jesse uh Theo Walcott didn't get uh, any time on the pitch it's okay is that <laughs> is that what you're focusing on not the fact that Perry uh Salisu might not be uh he might he might follow in in a line of of names that you might recognize, um, Mane, Van Dyke, Klein, Lovren. I mean, Lalana. Stacked at center back. Like, there's no way, there's no way they would go for me. I mean, I we, we know how much I love to poach Southampton players, but I mean, what Joe Gomez is now the fifth choice center back. I don't really. Joe Gomez is Joe Gomez is the fifth choice center back on any team, bro. He's a joke. Okay, you know, he's not spectacular. I get that. But the point is, like, uh, Liverpool definitely have enough options as it is, particularly with the signing of Konate. Matip has been superb this season. We talk about underrated players. Uh, if I were to go back and revise um, just from last week what I said, I'd probably go with Matip, actually, um, because he has been superb. And I'm just waiting for the day where one of these runs from, like, center back where he just dribbles past uh four or five players and i'm just waiting for the day where he just sends one top ins like hakim ziek but you mean you mean sends one like like top ins like straight into rosie no no like hakim ziek dude come on i, th- okay. I think your audio is off okay um, um but but this is a good transition into the liverpool game where man crystal palace it <laughs> They caused us some problems, didn't they? They they were finishing like Brighton of last year. Like they should have had three or four goals. Uh, they they genuinely had the better opportunities. There were a number of times bad passes um, in in the back third for Liverpool at times, and had just some dangerous plays. More than once, Allison having to bail out I'll a defense that was was more Swiss cheese than uh, than I think you'd like to admit. Allison was was superb. I mean, I think he prevented. Prevented us from losing the game um, because that's what it would have been had it not been for some of the saves that he made. And look, Liverpool, lucky with some of the VAR decisions. I think. Well, that's the, that's all we want to say is lucky. Yeah, we'll leave I it mean, lucky. By being polite. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. if, you, if, you, if you want to talk about the Oxide Chamberlain goal, I think that was was more lucky just just because you can make the case that Firmino was distracting. I forget who it was at Crystal Palace. Firmino is in an offside position, so you could say he's influencing the play. So maybe Liverpool are lucky that they didn't intervene, but I mean, it's outright ridiculous. The Jota penalty is a joke. Yeah, uh, it's, again, like this is another example of Premier and, League referees and the Premier League just not having a pair of fucking balls to come out and just say, no, you got a decision wrong. Whether well, it's and here's, here's the, the furious part the referee on the pitch got it right the first time. Like, I mean, uh, yeah, but that's the point. But he didn't have the balls to say that VAR got it wrong or that he got it right. Right. I don't then, think why, why isn't the Premier League going to come out and just admit that like they're, the Premier League's following a script so much outrage right now they're following a script and and the way you can tell they're following a script is that there has never been a referee going and taking a look at the monitor and then deciding he got it right 
every single time they make him go to the monitor, it's to justify much, overturning a call. You, it's you because pretty much know it's going to happen. It's because VAR's already overturned it, and they want the referee to save face by looking at it again and being able to say, "Oh, I just didn't see it right. Not I saw it right, and I'm an idiot." And yeah, Jota's just it's it's not worth discussing too much, but it would be a way bigger talking point if Palace had finished a couple of their chances and this was a decider or yeah. uh, either either to give Liverpool the win or even to give Liverpool the tie, because I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, this, this game was was two one Southampton or, or, or you know, three two. They had so many opportunities uh, uh, or not Southampton. Sorry, Crystal Palace. Uh, di- just a, a very disappointing finishing day for them. Well, the thing is, you know, title-winning sides get results in these sorts of games, and I think that's what we're seeing from Liverpool as they close the gap to uh, between themselves and Man City to nine points. Uh, wow, really, really narrowed that on, gap. Man. He's back on, trust me. I, I think that, you know, lastly, I think before we kind of get into whatever. The best game of the week? Are, you, are, we, are we just scrolling past what was easily the best game of the week? And oh, a game oh, that... Let, let, let's get into that in one sec, because we're talking about people that, you know, not, not being able to finish and stuff. Can we talk about Leicester for a minute? Really choking back-to-back games this week in the Prem, giving up, you know, I mean, the Steven Bergwine fanatics. Even by Leicester standards, that was a trick. Yeah, I, and, and, and also with, you know, Brighton goal in the 82nd minute. I mean, what what is wrong with this team? I kind of want to throw this out because this is a team that last year was competitive that couldn't close it out. Two years ago, were competitive, couldn't close it out towards the end of the season. And now we're watching them not be able to close it out during, you know, games halfway through the season. And and that, this is four points that they, sorry, five points that they left on the board now in two games. It's... <laughs> It's it's a it's an interesting it's just a very interesting team because I think that we would all kind of look around and go, especially with Vardy's decline. Like you look around, you go, there's some creative, there's some incredibly talented players, but there are also some players that, like I don't know, that defense doesn't inspire confidence in a lot of places. Uh, they haven't really replaced uh, Chilwell yet, still. Uh, and then up front, I'm just very unimpressed by Ianacho and. Uh, I'm surprised that I'm the first to bring this up, but are we really surprised that a Brendan Rogers team can't finish its chops? I mean, this goes back to his days as the head, head as the manager of Liverpool. Brendan Rogers has one of the worst track records in the Premier League for finishing strong. And it's not like this is a new problem for Leicester. This has been going on for several years now. They've been challenging for the top four consistently, at least in the first half of the season. For at least the past three, you'd say maybe even four seasons. I don't know. I can't remember what year the 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 point is. Uh, Leicester have you know they've been choking for several years now. And I, 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 I think you know Brendan Rodgers never really gets enough flack for that because I he mean has it's a hard long to, history of not being able to finish. It's hard team. to give him flack for that when I generally like pass most of that blame onto the Liverpool players uh, from his time there, which is just right. fun for me to do. Um, I don't even know if it's true, but like I mentally, I don't associate Brendan Rodgers with being at fault for those Liverpool teams choking because I blame the entire organization, which is just I, way I more mean, fun. That, to do. That, that, that choking, uh, I think, Jesse, Jesse, you're muted. Yeah, I, you know, for, for, forget for, for the Liverpool stuff for a second. It, is he potentially the most overrated manager in the Prem? I mean, this is a guy yes. that yeah, gets but, his, I, I think something we have to consider with Leicester as well is that over the past two seasons, not this one, but the past two, the previous two, when they've actually come very close, they've had a lot of players get injured in the second half of the season. Uh, you look at Fofana, James Justin. Um, the, but it was, these are big names that, that are dropping for them at very bad times. And I think that's something you have to take into account. But it wasn't just the second half. It felt like it was the last seven games of the season. Like they were in strong position, all of a sudden they crashed. And yeah, that's, very good... that, that's a point there because they're missing they're missing several key players from injury, and they don't have the depth. They just don't. Yeah, they don't. And I, I, I it, I, I, I'm now thinking about it more, and I'm, I'm thinking about you know the number of times I've seen, you know, Leicester players talk fondly about Brandon Rogers, or Leicester players even really show interest in talking about Brandon Rogers, and I can't think of too many instances that I've seen where that's happened. You know, it, it seems like I don't, you know, 
you see a lot of signs of Brendan Rodgers as a manager, just from watching the Premier League and knowing how managers are usually like, you know, in press conferences, in the locker room with the teams and just out on the pitch, their antics. And Brendan Rodgers just, he strikes me, now that I'm thinking about it, as a guy who just wouldn't have a particularly strong relationship with any one of his players. Actually, um, it's but- hard to have a strong relationship with your players when you never stop looking in a mirror. Like, I'm pretty sure Brendan Rodgers doesn't know he has a team. Pretty sure he has like 11 Brendan Rodgers out there. This guy is that and, and, and one yeah, Joe. So, so Jeff, you think it's rampant narcissist. So you think he's narcissistic then? That could easily be it. I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on behind closed doors in Leicester's locker rooms. You know, we don't know if he's making the wrong speeches, if he's not inspiring the players enough, you know, if he's if his tactics are not, you know, right. agreeing with the players in terms of the way they want to be playing. But it's clearly like at this point, the one consistent crux is Brendan Rodgers for me at this point is it I mean it's not like he didn't win like double trebles at Celtic including like undefeated seasons in all competitions and, and yes it's Celtic but that's still like it's not like he has like a zero career outside of like slipping around and and you, but you, like, you also can't argue that he has not drastically improved Leicester and that he's not he did not drastically improved Liverpool for at least a couple seasons when, he, when he's there, he he elevates teams. I mean, it, it, he doesn't get over a line with them, but he does improve them. And I think that is something that he does deserve credit for. Just, I mean, look, I, I think if we're going to criticize him, and this is merited for the fact that his teams, uh, you know, just can't seem to get the job done. I mean, look at what happened with Liverpool in 13-14 and Leicester. But you also have to give him the praise that he, that he he deserves for, for just raising the sort of the level like, of play. Right. Yeah, and but I, you can also give you can give Sam Allardyce credit for that. It doesn't make him a good manager in the long run. Yeah, but Sam but Allardyce doesn't come anywhere near finishing the top four. That's number one. My point from that was they're both they're both managers that are brought in to improve teams and keep them and return them to a level that they should be playing at, right? Like that's what I'm saying. But but the, he's not a like manager. That's what we're giving Brendan Rogers credit for, right? I mean, I, I, mean I, I will say this, Akshay. Liverpool played some of the best football I've ever seen under Brendan Rogers. I mean, even better. It, did, like, it wasn't I, good enough. Akshay, Akshay, when Liverpool finished fifth, do you think they had the fifth most talented roster in 1920 or 2021? Do you think they had the fifth best team in the in the Prem? Nope, fifth. I'm asking in 1920 and in 2021, you think they had the fifth best team in either of those years in the Prem? Liverpool won the league in 1920. Not Liverpool, not Liverpool, uh, Leicester. 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 Yeah. Leicester. So in am, 1920 and 2021, well, he had he had teams. Sorry, I misspoke. Uh, he had teams like, that were, Liverpool but, in 2021 was kind of unique situation. That, that finished, that he had teams in, ni- in 19 and, and 20 that both finished well above the talent levels. Like, yes, yes, we remember the capitulating on the last days Agreed, yeah. to, to United and to Tottenham, but we don't throw away the other 37 games and the, the fact that they're playing Europa League football when, you know, remember how bad this team was when he picked up in February of 2019? Getting rid of cloud. I mean, we can, I, I, there I, also I, some people I agree. Say, look, I agree that he's improved them a lot. I agree that he improves them a lot. And you know, you're lesser, you know, suddenly being a consistent top four threat is excellent. It is brilliant. And for a club like them, it's, you know, it's going to be hugely beneficial in the long run. It already has been, but and they, you know, they, it is, it is still very worrying that Leicester have clearly shown they can achieve even greater heights than that, but they keep falling they? short. They they sell off their best players every year. Like they're they're unfortunately in the tier of like like not quite the same level because I don't think they're as good nearly. But they're in the same category of team as Dortmund, where it's like it doesn't matter how good the domestic success is, you're probably not going to win the league, and you're going to lose your best player every couple of years. Yeah, and not yeah, only that, Dortmund Akshay, has been consider- consistently in the Champions League. Like they've definitely. Akshay, I'm not saying they're year. identical. Akshay, they're similar. Yeah. Right. I, I, also, sure. if you look at uh, Akshay, I, I think Jeff makes a good point because if, if you look at sort of the difference between Dortmund and Bayern, that is arguably the same difference between Leicester and, and, and any of the top six. Exactly. Any of the big six. Exactly. And then look, l- last season, if you look at a fifth place finish, just, just take the fifth place finish. Yeah, obviously, they, you know, they, they bottled top four, but they finished behind Liverpool, who, you know, are still Liverpool, who had stormed to the league title the previous season. There's no shame in that. They finished behind Chelsea, who won the European Cup. Uh, I mean, these are top, top sides. Yeah, yes, they bottled it. But I mean, is, is it really a shame to finishing, you know, to getting beaten by no, I'm not, I'm not. the top four sides? Of course not. Again, I'm not. I'm not. I don't think I'm not saying there's shame in that. I don't think that Leicester should, you know, feel shame as a club. But I think 
I again, I just think this goes back to Brandon Rogers. I think you could achieve you could achieve those greater heights that Leicester have come short of in past seasons with by who? having a manager with more Not conviction many. than Brandon Rogers. With who? Let, name a manager that you think would have won taken the Leicester job uh, if they fired well, Rogers at the end of the year. Who's available right now? But you couldn't name one who's been available since he got the job. Uh, yeah, not only that. I mean, who, even if they, like, what, what top manager is going to take a lesser job? Uh, Eddie Howe could take it, but he's with Newcastle. Oh my now. Eddie Howe wouldn't do Eddie as good a Howe job as Brendan Rodgers. Eddie Howe would not do that. Look, then why have Newcastle brought him in? Because he was the best available, and they were ready to spend money. Also, he was also, replacing Steve Bruce, who, tier. like, you know, yes, fine. <laughs> But okay, if they were, if they want, then they clearly don't want him to be a long term option if they're going by our way of thought. But <laughs> also, also, it's hard to find a manager who you have to consistently sell on the project of I'm going to take your best player every year. Like, like it takes a certain kind of manager to to say like, hey, you know, this isn't a team where I'm going to invest in you and we're not going to sell our good players. This is a team where we're absolutely going to sell our good players. We're going to play a lot of academy kids, and I need you to passion us to more points than we should normally get. But Fine. can we can we but, talk about the okay. best game of the week? Like genuinely, yeah, the most interesting like, we'll Premier League game of the week, and the goal that and the game we thought was all going to have four goals at the end of it. I, I truly did think there was a fourth goal in that, that game. I thought there was a fourth goal too. Watford Brentford or not Watford uh, Wolves Brentford was Wolf a delicious Brentford. game. It was it was Very without nice. a doubt the most in, interesting game of the the week. I mean, like finding out at halftime of the United game that they'd been paused because of a drone. It was a blessing because I tuned in and caught the last, you know, half hour, 40 minutes or so. And I missed the Moutinho goal, which happens, uh, but a, a, a very quality one, two with uh, Soliso, or not, um, with uh, Semedo, sorry, and, and just a, a fantastic finish. But you tune in and all of a sudden, Toti's got a red card, VAR's coming out and turning the red card away because it kind of looked like a scissor kick. But if you looked at it long enough, yellow is probably fair. Um, but then on that free kick, after Brentford have the red card taken, Brentford's thinking they're playing, you know, 11 against 10. We should be able to go get a couple of goals. They get that taken away on that free kick. A beautiful finish from Ivan Tony. Far post, uncovered, ball just floats over everyone's head and just first time volley, like kept it low. Great finish. I mean, and then, and then Neves did dirty Neves things. Uh, he's one of those players. Like he's he's similar to to Ziyech and and Kevin De Bruyne and, and some of these guys and and Mo when he's inside the box. But I'm thinking more particularly of like outside the box players where they get the ball in and around the like corner of the D at the top of the box and you just expect it to go in. Like you look to yourself as they're receiving the pass, and you just go, "Hey, that's a goal, right?" And it just it finds its way in. A beautiful finish tucked into the bottom corner. You know Wolves. And- I mean, we're talking about that top four race. I don't know if they're entirely out of the picture just yet. They're out of they're out of the picture. Oh, hold hold uh, on, hold on. Not entirely. I'm just, they're they're obviously outsiders. Like you're not much money on them. But they're on thirty four points. They're only what they're. If look, let me put it this way: four points. They're four Arsenal points back. Picture, Arsenal are two points ahead of Wolves. So if Arsenal in the picture, shouldn't by proxy Wolves be in the picture as well? I do think Wolves are actually should be this should be considered a halfway decent season. They're actually starting to turn it up, even in the losses. Um, like if you look at the last performances here, you know, Brentford win versus win versus Southampton, great win versus Manchester United. And by the way, I know John Matinho doesn't score many goals, but every time he scores, I feel like it is a incredibly important goal. It's either the brace or a goal to you know give him the lead, tie, whatever it is. Um, always seems that he scores important goals. Great draw against Chelsea. Tough win against Wolves. Um, lose one nothing to City on a red with the red card. One nothing to Liverpool. Um, and before that, we can you know they probably weren't playing their best football. No, they weren't. But can we can we talk about Jose Saw, who we we brought up earlier as a del- fantastic signing, um, a, sensational. A, a sensational. But watching this game, I hate him. What a terrible, but like, uh, absolutely. Like, if he was on my team, maybe I love him. Actually, probably I love him. Being honest, he might be my favorite player on that team if I'm a Wolves fan. But the the shithousery to run over a player in your own box with the ball in your hand, like he, he has the ball in his hand and he's not like trying to punt. He's running towards the edge of his box to launch a counterattack and like leans slightly out of his way to truck stick a Brentford player. The second Brentford player like decides to take issue with this and basically bear hugs him and slows him down. Someone comes in there later. I think uh, Johansson got a yellow for for the like kerfuffle that happens later. Um, 
waste a good five minutes on a couple of goal kicks, almost got a second yellow, like I picked up a yellow for time wasting, almost picked up a second one. Just an absolute, like we talk about great performances, like Ziek this weekend, absolutely stunning, brilliant performance. Jose saw one of the most brilliant shithouse performances I've seen since Herrera pocketed Hazard. Like this guy riles up an entire team by being himself. And it's- dude, dude, he, he, he's like a variant, he's like a variant of, uh, what's his name, Ramsdale. I, I, I don't think Ramsdale even comes close. Like, this is this is shithousery that, like, I want him to be playing for Getafe, bro. Like, this is beautiful stuff. It is. Like, you, you know who would love that? Imagine him under Simeone. Oh, yeah. Dude, it'd, it'd be game oh, over. Oh, my God. That'd be absolute. With Diego Simeone, I mean, that's – hold on. Look, though, he has Oblak. Uh, I don't. Th- I don't think he's getting rid of one. Oblak has looked yeah. looked very human this year. Like yeah, I agree no. with you, but I look. So did De Gea for a few years, and all of a sudden he's back on his game. So I wouldn't give up on him. Too. Yeah, I, I, go, uh, uh, bit off topic, but they had quite a comeback uh, as what well. A game. What, what a game! Two nil down against Valencia, equalizer in the ninetieth minute, and then they go on to score stoppage time winner as well. You know, I was texting Chris right because Atletico's they're they're sort of their top four hopes are, are kind of in jeopardy and you know they were only what a point point above barcelona and i texted chris and i said uh friend of the pod um and i said that you know it'd be pretty embarrassing if atletico madrid failed to uh get top four considering their main rivals barcelona um and then they must have realized that because they had a great come from behind barcelona also getting a win but i mean i know we didn't kind of plan for this but i want to throw this question out there as a little bit on the spot can we kind of go into our player that we are most impressed by this week? Because especially since there aren't games going into for the next week, which we normally talk about. So kind of player that we were most impressed by this week and player that we were really disappointed by this week. And I know I'm kind of throwing this out there, everyone on the spot, but Alex, you want to maybe take it, go first. Player I was most impressed by. Or your player um, of the week. I mean, I'd probably have to, get, the first player that comes to my mind is Hakim Ziyech. And that might just be because that was the most recent game I watched, but he was he's brilliant. Best player on the pitch. And, and, he, yeah. and he hasn't really had the easiest of times at Chelsea either. Um, so I think this is this is big for him. Um, All right. Uh, who else there was? I'm, I'm going to guess in the chat what I think Jesse's pick is. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to type it to Perry. Let's see if I get it right. If he's wrong, that'll be my pick. If he's right, I'll have a different pick. So Jesse, who, was, who for you was the most impressive? Same player I talked about before, Mohamed Asp. Uh, Oh, Jeff got it right. Soliso. Soliso for Southampton. Look, I mean, I I, I think, though, that you put a performance in like that versus Man City. Young, young, you know, kid that's still young. Well, obviously, if it's a kid, he's young. Um, But, you know, I mean, what a performance. Put Um, himself on the radar. Like, has been having a good season, but this is one of those performances where you really put yourself on the radar of the big teams uh, and basically say, like I'm a I'm a I'm a legit talent and you should pay attention because I should be playing bigger and better football How in old Southampton. Is he? I... He's 22. Okay, 22. all right. So he's, uh... I think I think also a lot of teams will look at that game and go, you know, I'm gonna spend a lot of money on a guy that's quality, but is he a guy that he could come in and be a leader on the team? And you look at a game like this, and here's a guy that's leading the back line as a 22-year-old with a lot of veterans on that team. Um so, you know, this is a game that builds not only, um, you know, his status as a player, but I think his status as a leader and his character. Um, the talent's there. The talent is obviously there, and he probably will not be playing for Southampton um, next season. Man, a, a talented player, an absolute leader, born, and I bring this up, born April 17th, 1999. And yet here are the four of us approximately the same age, nowhere near as talented. I'm not sure any of us leads like this man. I don't yeah. like this. I, I don't like that the players are now younger than me, uh, especially the players, weird. especially the leaders. I'm okay as, as long as they're wonder kids, but the moment they get, start getting called leaders, the moment center backs, center back prospects are better than me or, or younger well, than I me, mean, I'm, the I'm Lick, done. The Lick was captain of Ajax at 19, captained them to a uh, Champions League semifinal after beating Real Madrid and Juventus. Okay, so, but I was I, okay, but I was captain of my intramural dodgeball team at nineteen. So like, I was, I was still on the same level. <laughs> I, I'm captain of our pickup team. Uh, the one, the one that really got me was Mbappe. I was like, this guy is a World Cup winner before he can legally drink. 
Uh, probably not okay. legally drink in France, uh, actually, just because we uh, in America okay. have terrible laws. Um, yeah. Although, yeah, I don't know, was he 17? Could he probably not buy a shot afterwards? Like, he could drink no, most. No, he was but... older than that. He, he was, was 18 than or 19. Okay. Jeff, your player was 19. He was 19. Uh, um, I'm like, it's it's Salisu, uh, but my my kind of consolation prize goes to the best ginger in the Prem, Josh Sargent, because you need a shout out when when you open your account as a, as a young American. And hopefully this inspires them to play more. He hasn't gotten a ton of playing time. I spent a lot of work on the training ground, kind of getting in, getting to the point where he's because he was playing in the in the two Bundesliga for a while. And sometimes you need a you need some time adjusting. You know, the, the Prem is an adjustment for everyone, but especially a team that's fighting relegation doesn't have time to blood, uh, you know, a, a young kid that they might like for, for the future. They, they need results and they need them right away. So hopefully the goal scoring shows the manager he can get results and uh, he, he kind of kicks on from there. Would be a nasty partner with Pookie. Uh, they, they, I think they play very complimentary styles. Sargent absolutely loves to, to be the guy up front who's making the pass. He, he has a, a tasty finish in him, no doubt, but definitely a creator as well and, and could pair well with Pookie, who... Uh, what uh august 2020 uh golden boot winner timu puki yeah puki's class um akshay before we wrap up let's get even on this uh yeah i'm, I'm just echo what jeff said i i would give it to josh Sargent, but i think anytime you make city look human uh you get extra credit and for that mohammed salisu gets my vote for player of the week what? for sure all right most we'll just go quickly into most disappointing player for the week Uh, special teams coordinator, Green Bay Packers. <laughs> yes. well, hold on, really quickly. Speaking of football, as we're as we're doing this, I have the Bills. Uh, the the Chiefs just added up. Please do not. Which, which, please by do the not way, tell if, me that. Oh my god! I, look, if, if the Ram, if if all four games this weekend, I mean, this is the most unbelievable, you know, NFL football weekend. This is a I very entertaining Um After last weekend, where we had what in six games, we had four blowouts. Uh, Dak you know, running a QB draw with 13 seconds left and one good game between the Raiders and Bengals to have four stunning games that are basically coming down to the last play. This is the best game. This is the best game right now. This is unbelievable. This is the best game, but it take nothing away from the other three games to to blow a 27 to three lead only to, to come back and just sprinkle in a little game winning drive on two passes to Cooper cup. Uh, that, I mean, uh, the Rams were playing with so much fire. It's in it, but whoever's listening to this probably isn't listening for the NFL. So let's go into it. So besides the special teams coordinator, Jeff, who do you got? Um, man, who who really genuinely disappointed me this weekend? Honestly, like I thought he I thought he looked fine defending, but I I can't stop hating on Harry Maguire because it's just it's infuriating oh, the amount of game. Uh, he had a fine game, but it's just one of those things where every time I watch him, he does all the little things wrong that I hate. And I, I just hate that we could easily have uh, like 5% more possession in a, in a game if, if, we just, if he just headed the ball in the direction of his teammates. That's it. That's all, that's all I'm asking is, like, yeah, Harry, you got a big old fucking slab head, but aim towards your teammates, please. Alex? Uh this is going to sound harsh. Maybe Raheem Sterling, just because this is one of those games for me um, where City lacked like a proper finisher. Um, so, you know, the, the burden's going to fall on, on guys like Raheem Sterling, uh, I think in particular. Um, maybe Bernardo Silva, but I see Sterling as a more advanced player, not so much a, a playmaker. So I'm going to have to go with him. But again, you know, not, it's not something I really would, I, I don't think he was disappointing. But if I had to pick a disappointing player, yeah, Sterling. Okay. Uh, I will go Soyuncu of Leicester. Um, this is back to back. That's okay. That's a good one, actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna change horrific. my pick and and throw back on Akshay because Maguire doesn't deserve nearly as much hate as I lo- want to give him. Yeah. He's just I hate him. Akshay's um, Akshay's pick is more right. I'm just yeah. Soyuncu also has so had so himself, you- doesn't he? So Yunchu uh, has had back-to-back weeks now where he's like absolutely, uh, he's looked absolutely atrocious. Um, and honestly, he's probably been one of Leicester's biggest flops over the past at least season and a half. When he first came into that squad, I think he looked like you know one of their future center backs. You know that was going to be there for a while and was going to really develop into a veteran leader um, type. You know, you know, replace the Wes Morgans and the Robert Hoots that they used to have. And um, he has completely failed in that. And, you know, he seems like he's now just going to be an afterthought, honestly, in Leicester's 
more recent Premier League campaigns, uh, which is real sad because he showed a lot of potential when he first came in. Marte, his partner, also not looking very good. And oh yeah, and and James Justin on the on the right for them, a talented going forward, but not very special uh, on the on the backside, just at all. Very un like it's a defense with three leaky positions, and yet a left back who might be getting an England call up. In uh, oh man, what's his name? I'm I'm terrible. Uh, Thomas, Luke Thomas? No, Gareth Southgate. Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't think Gareth Southgate's getting a call up at left back, unfortunately. Oh, oh I thought you meant like under Gareth Southgate. Oh, you know, Luke Shaw. I think it is Luke Thomas. The, yeah, Luke Thomas, who's who's possibly getting called up, but we have an international break coming up soon. Here, I'll hop into it for the last one. And I mentioned, I'm going to actually give two players. I mentioned one of them before, which is Albert Sammy Lakanga, who just, I thought, will look terrible in the midfield as that holding player that Arsenal needed to create anything going forward. Didn't happen. And second, I, this guy got off to such a great start this season, but I think it's really slowed down, which is Mikel Antonio, who I thought was very poor versus um, Man U. Didn't offer a lot. Here's a guy that's a real physical uh, presence. Reminds me of basically, I mean, probably just off the looks, a much better Adama Traore and yeah, I less Adama, mobile. Adama Traore. Yeah. Yeah, my God. I, I, I genuinely think he keeps baby oil companies in business. <laughs> he he uses more than entire bodybuilding competitions. His arms look like he dipped them in a vat of whatever disgusting oil. You, he, he gets greased up on the sidelines. I, I don't think he's wearing that under his jacket. I think they grease him up as he's coming in. I really think Adama Trier has got to be the most overrated player in the EPL. Um, of well, not this season. I feel like he's come under. Uh, well, what, 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 he's had goal. a lot of criticism. Okay, one goal. Well, I don't think. I think the point Perry is making is that no one's rating him this year anymore. Yeah, I think every, everyone's caught nobody up to the, rated, to the fact that he's not a good Adama soccer player since the year the after he had his monster season. Yeah, but actually, I think after the monster season, now I think after the monster season, there was some hope. There was some rating him as like better than what he actually was. There were some rumors of of bigger teams coming in. I think the the season after was where people started to become aware of what, you know, that he was basically a one trick pony. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, We we really do have to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, We have to wrap this up somehow because (laughs) uh, first of all, I need to watch more of this OT. Second of all, I guess 10 o'clock at night is when every girl is swiping through on Hinge. Because I just got three new matches in the last five oh, okay. minutes. Nice. Uh, like, what? Jeff has some love life to pursue. All right, Not- Jeff, go pursue your love life. All right. Well, uh, with that, uh, we'll leave the predictions to next week. It's an FA Cup weekend, so not much to I, about. Uh, but- here's, here's my prediction. West Ham lose at the <laughs> 6,400 the 6,444 person capacity stadium about mm, 15 miles east of Birmingham. They're, they're going to head out to the middle of the boonies and lose five nil up the Harriers. Oh, okay. Purry, get out of here right now. We should head out of here. Okay. Yeah, All right. I'm Alex Purry alongside yeah. Jesse Levine, Akshay Budwani and Jeff Isahauser. Thank you for listening. You'll hear from us next week.